Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face, -face, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. We thank the true and living God for allowing us to be part of his ministry, and we pray he will be with you tonight as we go through this stuff. Want to hear and learn the Word of God? Join us Sundays at the University of Utah, where we meet at 10 a.m. for milk, 2.30 p.m. for meat. Uh, go to www.campus with hyphens in between the letters for more information. In between those gatherings on AM820, The Truth uh, radio station, Heart of the Matters replayed from 1 to 2 p.m. Uh, great Christian radio station here in Utah, The Truth. There are a lot of ways that um, you all keep the ministry going. We often recognize uh, the people who uh, pray for us and generously support us financially, and so many of you do so much in those areas, volunteer, uh, things like that. Uh, but I want to uh, uh, personally thank all of you who send us information relative to the uh, uh, Mormon Christian debate, to religion, to uh, Christianity today, things like that. It really is a great uh, uh, lifeblood to the program, to the ministry, and uh, we just thank all of you for taking the time and energy to do that as you're so uh, led, so keep it coming. By now you know <clears throat> that we are at Aletheia Ministries, supporters of the Transitions training program. Two things about Transitions. First of all, there will be a free LDS and Transitions leadership training seminar on Saturday, September 8th, uh, 9 till noon at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church. Address is on the screen, I think. Yep. And uh, secondly, uh, starting Tuesday, September 4th, Right after the program, there will be a four-part series on the Transitions program. So starting next week, right after Heart of the Matter, stay tuned, and you're going to see what the Transitions program is all about. And it might help uh, get your pastors and leadership in your church to watch. You'll see how valuable this tool is along the Wasatch Front in helping LDS who are coming out of Mormonism transition into the body of Christ. That's beginning next week. It's about time and great thing. Tomorrow night, I'll be speaking, if you're interested at all, in a place called Escondido, California, Southern California. New Life Presbyterian Church, 615 West Citricadal in Escondido at 7 p.m. Join us if uh, you dare. And then on Thursday night of next week, September 6th, 7 p.m., I'm going to make my uh, first visit to southern Utah, Cedar City. I look so forward to this with Pastor Joe Carroll at the uh, Calvary Chapel, Cedar City. Uh, love Pastor Joe and uh, Calvary Chapel down there. It's located at 101 East Nichols Canyon Road, Cedar City. Uh, it's going to be a great time down there. Uh, we have a lot of people who watch the show in the southern Utah areas. So uh, if you can make the trip. Come on down. That's next Thursday night, not this Thursday, next September 6th, 7 p.m. Now for the biggest event of the year. This coming Saturday, join us at Murray Park for our seventh annual Burning Heart celebration. What doest we do there? We do all kinds of stuff for first for kids, bounce houses, dunk tanks, booths, snow cones, stuff for adults. We'll have books and CD booths, t-shirts, subway box lunches, which are always a hit. Uh, fellowship with believers from all over the state. And then we're going to have entertainment by Chris Taylor, a great guitarist. Paul Wright, a phenomenal performer. And um, the McCraney sisters. We're going to take a minute and see a video clip. Do we have that ready? Of Paul Wright. Paul Wright. 
on what's right Crashing in a like the ocean tide Won't you now Take, take me over, over After Paul Wright performs, we're going to transition into a, a calmer maybe period. That's very nice music, but we're going to enter into communion, a statewide communion service. First time I think it's ever been done. Every Christian denomination, every faith uh, uh, that's Christian is welcome to come and participate in this uh, never denominational uh, communion service. And after that, we will then go out to our annual open water baptisms around 7, 7.30, something like that. And, uh, and, and anybody who wants to publicly profess in the inward faith through uh, baptism, uh, they can participate in that. That's Saturday, this coming Saturday, September 1st, 3 p.m. to dusk. Murray Park Amphitheater is located at 495 East, 5300 South in Murray. And oh yeah, the first 500 cars through the gates will, yes, actually receive a, their very own, I know, bumper sticker. And... Uh, it's, it's a valuable piece. It has been voted the best bumper sticker by uh, the Utah paint and auto body shops uh, everywhere. So um, uh, if you can pick one of those up there. And we're also going to be offering the Joseph Joseph's Myth t-shirts and uh, In His Words Part 2. So show up. We'd love to see you. I've been making some errors uh, on the program that I need to apologize for. Uh, a few weeks ago, I said that Al Dagger, Al Dagger, was a proponent of the Dominionist movement, Dominionist, and nothing could be further from the truth. What happens is I prepared and I got all the Dominionist leaders in the nation, and you may not even be interested in this, but Al Dagger is actually a guy who opposes Dominionist uh, theory and practitioners, and I somehow got his name included with, and I mentioned that, and so he sent me an email and said, let me tell you something, he actually sent us uh, all his books and newsletters, which are phenomenal, I'm going to promote those later on in the year, and uh, so I am very sorry, Al, I called him. He was so gracious, a loving uh, Christian man, and uh, just a stupid donkey speaking again. And so, uh, and I will bring up another glitch that I made in just a minute. Uh, if you're tuning in tonight to watch an interview with Tom Scott, one time Chris, supposedly evangelical pastor, uh, uh, and now a Mormon who wrote a book called "It's True." Uh, it's very thin. Uh, the evangelical pastor's journey to truth in the Mormon church, uh, he's not coming. Uh, right after we went off the air last week, I received two phone messages from his booking agent who had canceled the appearance. Uh, she said that in between the time she accepted the invite last week on Tuesday and the time the show uh, finished, that she had received a number of calls uh, saying, we are not going on that program because it's not going to highlight our cause. You're, you're right about that. Uh, uh, we, I have to admit that uh, we would have tenaciously, uh, but hopefully kindly, pushed to prove, prove 
if this author had been on the program, that he either does not know nor understand biblical Christianity, and I would challenge his, this title, Evangelical Pastor, very closely. Um, he either does not know the, uh, the Christianity from the Bible, or he is completely ignorant of Mormon doctrine. Yet the two cannot coexist one to uh, another in a sane mind. You cannot know the Bible and then embrace no Mormon doctrine and embrace them both simultaneously because they are oil and water. And so, uh, unfortunately, author Tom Scott saved face and completely backed out. I would review his book, but, and I'm not being mean, this, there's nothing in this. It's just subjective experiences of feeling good and, and feeling welcomed, you know? And so Tom, you know, he, he became a Mormon and he called it's true. I would, I would bet that in time, if he really is a, a Bible-believing Christian and an evangelical, former evangelical pastor, we will see another book called, Okay, I Was Wrong. So uh, wait for that. So let's see now. We have had a standing invitation to any official representative of the LDS Church to come on here since the beginning. Standing invitation. No go. We have invited Scott uh, uh, Scott Gordon, Gordon Scott, Scott Gordon of Fairs, the guy of Apologist Fairs, to come on the air and to have the set all to himself. I won't even show up. We've said you can have a full hour and explain to our viewing audience how Mormonism is so misunderstood, and I won't even be here to counter what you have to say. No go. He has refused that invitation. We've invited BYU professor Bob Millett to come on the air. No go. And now we've extended an invitation to this, this, this Tom Scott. And again, he has refused. But notice, the LDS are more than willing to stand in front of any camera, be on any radio program, uh, where the representatives are not ardent uh, Christians. They are talk show hosts, uninformed news reporters, secular humanists, or Christian sellouts who have sold their born-again birthright in order to propagate the Mormon machine. Uh, Lord help us. But they won't come on any program that will challenge them. And again, the open invitation. All right, how about a moment from the Word? Tonight we come to John 14. Jesus has been telling his disciples, I'm going to go away and prepare a place for you in one of the mansions of my father. And this caused his disciple Thomas to say in verse 5 of John 14, we know not where you go and how can we know the way? That was the question Thomas asked. This statement seemingly uh, delivered from Thomas with some anxiety, I would guess, and earnestness, set Jesus up to say one of the single most important lines. I mean, they're all important. It's the word of God. But uh, in, in the New Testament, the Lord said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Uh, since the Lord stated these simple words, men and women have taken them. They have renounced them. They've rejected them, misinterpreted them, altered them, added to them, and even put themselves in the mix. But Jesus said it plainly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no woman, no person comes to the Father but by, that means through, he's the sheep door, 
in and through and by every way him and him alone. You notice Jesus didn't add anything to that. And by baptism, and by the, holding this priesthood, and by uh, uh, doing this, and, and it's just no man comes to the Father but by me. In the LDS Christian debate, uh, the, how these words are understood is really interesting. The Christians take what Jesus said in total and complete face value. Absolutely, if they're a Christian, they would say, I believe that completely, period, done, argument, over. Uh, there is nothing added. There is nothing taken away. It's all him. And any Bible-believing Christian is open to him being the only way and the only truth and the only life, period. Now, you don't hear Mormons talk like this because unless they're trying to convince you they're Christian. Uh, but um, anybody who has ever lived or whoever will live can or will go to the Father, cannot go to the Father unless it's by him. But to the LDS, uh, because of Joseph Smith, Jesus makes the way possible. And the truth, as long as his words are translated correctly, and he is, provides a life, and that means resurrection to all, that's what the life is to the Mormons, resurrection to all, but exaltation and eternal life has to be earned. You see, and so you can take that single passage of Jesus, and if you if you explain it the way a Christian understands it, the LDS uh, take it and tweak it uh, completely differently. How long is it going to be uh, before the LDS read uh, John fourteen six uh, and embrace it fully without any hesitation, qualifiers, uh, exemptions, revisions, or additions? And you know, when they do, I think then we could say Mormonism is Christian when they take that statement and they absolutely agree with it in total, uh, we might be able to say they're Christian. It, regardless of their, of their legalisms, there's a lot of legalistic Christian churches, but we'll wait for that day. I read a dialogue of a good friend, Steve Waugh, and uh, he was having with a member of the LDS church, and in the dialogue he said, are the FLDS, you know, the Mormons down in uh, Texas and southern Utah who practice polygamy, he said to this LDS person, are the FLDS uh, Mormon? That's the question. Are the FLDS Mormon? And the Mormon responded emphatically and replied, not at all. We have nothing to do with them. They are not Mormon in any way. Um, from top to the bottom of Mormonism, this is their stance. Then Steve Waugh made a really good point. He said, between the FLDS and Salt Lake City Mormons, there are very few things that they differ on. There's maybe five or six things that they differ on. And yet the Mormons in Salt Lake say, the FLDS, they are not Mormon. No way, no how. Okay? But at the same time, he says, when we compare Mormonism with biblical Christianity, there are hundreds of differences between us. And yet Mormons insist on being called Christian. It's really an excellent, excellent point, Wah. Uh, I mean, what would the Mormon church do to someone who opened up a church and named it the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? They would send a plethora of attorneys down before the paint dried on the sign to shut the thing down. Uh, if you think about it, this is tough, but this is not one bit different, think about it, than the homosexual community wanting marriage. Think about this. The homosexual community says, we want to be able to be married to each other. 
And the Mormons and Christians alike say, hey, look it, the Bible says marriage was ordained of God between a man and a woman, and homosexuality is a sin. The, the Mormons use the Bible to prove that homosexual marriage and homosexuality should not be practiced, okay? But, and, and yet, uh, the Mormons, they want to come in and they want to say, listen, um, Mormonism, which stands in complete opposition to much of what's in the New Testament, wants to now be married to the body of Christ. They want to belong to the body of Christ, even though what the Bible says about them is completely contrary. So it's just like any special interest group, they want to play both sides of the, of the net. They want to say, we, we want to attack you and we want to belong. We want to have our way and we want to belong. And that's what special interest groups do. Special interest group homosexuals say we want to be married. And we don't care what the Bible says. Mormon says we want to be called Christian. We don't care what the Bible says. You get that? Interesting and terrifying times we're living in. May all those who love the Lord keep the rock under their feet and his, their eyes on his word. And with that, let's have a prayer. Father God, we pray for those who have volunteered, our staff, helping audiences here live, watching through streaming, watching on television, that those who are seeking, eyes will be open, ears will hear, that they may be converted and healed by you, Lord, and you alone. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Of late, we've been covering uh, Book of Mormon glitches located right in the text. And a few weeks ago, I made another error. And uh, so hence, I give you apology number two for the night. I love doing this. Um, I got this letter from a guy named Rich Samuelson. And he says, on your show, you said, how did the survivors of the great calamity in Third Nephi know the city of Moroniha was buried? It was too dark to see anything. And he says, that's what you said. It's paraphrased. And he says, you use this as evidence that the Book of Mormon isn't true. It was one comment I made of probably three dozen that night about the Book of Mormon. And he said, in fact, you were wrong because darkness came upon the earth in the Book of Mormon. And he gives the reference after the uh, earth shook. So the people of Moroniha, the earth shook, the city fell, they all knew it fell, and then the darkness came, so my point was made uh, void. I accept that. I, I make mistakes uh, all, all the time. And, and you said here, I once heard you say that if something isn't the truth, all we needed to do was tell you, and you'd admit you're wrong. I admit my, I'm wrong. No problem. But the problem I have with you, Rich, is what about the other three dozen things we brought up? You say in here, you want me to make this error, you want me to correct this uh, error as though it's important. It's one of, of hundreds that we've made about the Book of Mormon, and you found me make a mistake on one thing. It's amazing that, uh, that you won't look at the other things and say, wow, that's really uh, amazing. So uh, take that for what it's worth. We left off last week in our analysis of the Book of Mormon with Father Lehi seeing in vision what was going to happen with his children. Remember, Lehi and his family left Jerusalem, traveling through the wilderness, and Father Lehi has a vision, and he sees some of his kids are going to produce progeny that is white and delightsome and, and, and good, and some of his kids, Laman and Lemuel, are going to turn out to be, the Book of Mormon says, dark, loathsome, filthy, idle, and abominable people, and I was always taught that's the American Indians, those are the remnants. And so we have this, now we have this bifurcated family, good and evil, dark and light, Perfect pictures, simple pictures in the narrative. So let's continue to come through some pages of the Book of Mormon and just pick out those verses that smack of something not so heavenly. 
as the visions of Lehi and Nephi continued in the Book of Mormon, Nephi sees what he calls the great and abominable church and its founder, the devil. That's in 1 Nephi 13.6. Now, this is, when I was a, a, a Latter-day Saint growing up, I was always taught that's the Catholic church. That's the Catholic church. Bruce R. McConkie always taught that the great and abominable church, the father is Satan, is the Catholic church, okay? They have since altered that. McConkie's Mormon doctrine has been altered a bit. They've refused that in ways. And now they say it's any church that is not the Mormon church. So you have two churches. You have the great and abominable church, which is any church on earth that is not the Mormon church. And then you have the church of the Lamb, which is the Mormon church. So it's a great thing to do. The missionaries come over and they're talking about how much they love and how great everybody is and kumbaya, sing and dance. And you say, hey, open up the first Nephi, uh, chapter 13, verse 6. And read that to him and say, could you tell me who or what the great abominable church is whose father is the devil? What church is that? And let them explain in their supposed lovingness who the great and abominable church is. They're either going to say it's the Catholics. They're going to say it's, I don't know. Or they're going to say it's every church. And then you can get to the brass tacks of what Mormonism really believes. Um, and then it, Joseph Smith, at this point in the Book of Mormon, he starts tapping in to all kinds of things that were talked about in his day and age, uh, mysteries and questions, and he incorporates them into his supposedly ancient book, and he brings them forth as if they're prophecies. So he writes in the Book of Mormon as if Lehi and Nephi are having prophecies about the coming of Columbus, that's included in the Book of Mormon. And uh, about uh, other Gentiles, pilgrims coming, and the, there being a great body of water between the Promised Land, America, and where they were. All of this stuff was just uh, brought into the Book of Mormon text to pretend like it was being prophesied of when Joseph Smith was writing about it in firsthand knowledge after the fact. Uh, it would be like me producing a book that I say it was written 1000 AD and I found the plates and I read from it and it says, you know, and I've done this before, yea, and great and wondrous uh, are the parks of amusements among the people in latter days and yea, laying in the shadow of Mount Matterhorn, there are animals of the duck and of the mouse and of the goofiest and, and I include that in there. That's what Joseph did. He knew the facts about Columbus. He knew the facts about the water separating uh, America and the uh, old country. He knew about the Gentile pilgrims coming, and he just wrote it into the text to make it seem like it was prophetic. What a marvelous book. Okay, uh, and, uh, and then Joseph didn't stop there. In 1 Nephi 13:7, he predicts the Revolutionary War. Of course, he's predicting it after the fact. It had already happened, but he included it into the narrative of the Book of Mormon. And then he starts talking about the Bible, and he starts quoting how people followed the Bible, and it was their book, and it was full of many good things, but many of the precious and plain things were lost. The Book of Mormon talks about that. And then he talks about these two great churches, the great and abominable church, and then the church that is hell. And, and listen, you either belong to one or the other. You're either headed to hell as part of the great and abominable church, or you are headed to heaven as part of the true church, which is Mormonism. In the end, it is Mormonism. You can tell the missionaries then to turn to 1 Nephi 14, 1 through 3, and say, so then what does this mean? 
You talked about the great, which is this true church? And let them say, we are the only true church. Corner them and get them in this day and age of Mormon relativism, of jockeying around and not answering questions and playing the really, really open humanitarian, ecumenical type people. Get them honed down to what they really believe. All right. And then the angel uh, uh, showed Nephi that the Mormon church or the church of the Lamb of God was going to have some people in it. But darn it, that, that whore church sat on many, which sat on many waters, that's what it's referred to, uh, it took a lot of people away. And essentially, uh, at this point, the Book of Mormon starts splitting everything up into black and white terms. Very dark, very white. Evil, good. And Nephi represents this perfect white always makes the right decisions, never does anything wrong, and is constantly laying out these huge speeches of righteousness and piety to his errant evil brothers, Laman and Lemuel. This is a theme that starts to pick up, and Nephi is always challenging them, and he's telling them this and that, and they're always rebelling, and that sort of sets up a theme, too, that we start to see continuing through the first and second Nephi. Um, so it can all be summarized as Nephi clean, Laman and Lemuel filthy, uh, and we can move, move on from there. After going back to Jerusalem for women folk, Nephi, his brothers, Laban, all got married to Ishmael's daughters, none of them ever being named. No children except for Joseph and Jacob of Lehi are ever named. The wives never named. Nephi never names his wife. Uh, he'll go on to tell you about how sore his ankles were, literally, in the narrative, but he never names his wife. A mindset of Joseph Smith coming into the text, a kind of a mindset of Mormonism in the early years, and maybe even still today. And then in chapter 16 of 1 Nephi, we've talked about the Leahona, the brass ball that appears outside. That shows up in chapter 16. And with the magic ball in hand, it leads Lehi and, and, and all his sons and their wives now through the wilderness to the land of Bountiful, which is on the sea. And now uh, Lehi, uh, Nephi is commanded to build a ship. And so the, uh, the Lord uh, tells Nephi, this is where ore can be found. Make bellows out of animal skins. The guy's got a little operation there. And he puts the whole thing together and he creates a ship for everybody to jump in. And uh, after they, uh, he literally says in the narrative, uh, when he talks about the bellows so that people understand where the fire came from, it says, and I did smite two stones together that I might make fire. Thanks, Joseph. Thank you for explaining that. I mean, you got to be kidding. I mean, he's actually just bringing facts to convince you. He's talking, and, and he writes on these brass plates that are really hard, and I did smite. <laughs> where else would the fire come from? I mean, it's not going to come from a big lighter. And, 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 but th these little things add up when you look at the narrative of the Book of Mormon. Uh, now the power of Nephi starts coming forward. Laman and Lemuel in 1 Nephi 17, they start mocking Nephi for building this ship. And uh, uh, Nephi says, listen, if you touch me, they were going to come and throw him into the sea like Jonah. If you touch me, he says to Laman and Lemuel, you will be withered as a dry reed. So the power of Nephi is now coming out. It's almost superhero-like. Joseph Smith was very imaginative. And, and then in, in, uh, it says in 1 Nephi 17:53, And it came to pass that the Lord said unto me, Stretch forth thine hand again to thy brethren, and they shall not wither before thee, but I will shock them, 
saith the Lord. And this I will do that they may know I am the Lord their God. So now Nephi is starting to get these superhuman powers where he can reach out, and the Book of Mormon says he does reach out, and he shakes the living hell out of his evil brothers. Ah, Nephi powerful! And, and then they know, in fact, they are so overcome with his power, they bow down and worship him, and the narrative says, Nephi says, oh, come on, you guys, I'm just Nene, you know, I'm just Nephi, just your brother, but I just love the Lord. No, it says, don't worship me. But, I mean, this superhuman powers. Now, just take that and think of Esau and Jacob. We have a biblical story of Esau and Jacob. One was a hunter. He liked food. Jacob made some meal. Esau said, let me have it. I'll give you my birthright. There's a little subterfuge going on. But there's no superhuman powers coming out here. There's no reaching the hand out and shocking the heck out of the brothers to make them know that they don't mess with you again. This is the kind of thing. These things are in the Book of Mormon. When you're a member, you read it, and you don't really realize how different it is from the Bible. We are going to leave off with one final verse. Nephi's building the ship, and he explains the method of how he did it. Here is a graphic for it. He says, Now I, Nephi, did not work the timbers after the manner which was learned by men, neither did I build the ship after the manner of men, but I did build it after the manner which the Lord had shown me, wherefore it was not after the manner of men. Nephi, did you build the ship after the manner of men, being that you're a man, you would build it after the manner of a man? I mean, it, this type of stuff now, the LDS call it chiasmus, and they think it's really rich in this, uh, Elder ha Apostle Holland said it's rich in Hebraic sentence structure. Let me tell you something, that is called empty rhetoric to fill up space. It, it has nothing to do because, listen, if the brass plates, which were small and had very little space on them, the Book of Mormon tells us this, why is uh, Nephi writing uh, stuff out like this? I mean, big, huge sentences that don't mean anything. Think about this stuff as you examine it. We're going to cut this off at this point right now. We'll continue on through the Book of Mormon. We're going to open up our phone lines, 801-973-TV20. 801-973-TV20. Uh, and this is uh, our ability to, uh, to stay in ministry is directly related to you and your support. We are uh, not requesting financial support from widows or widowers or elderly people on limited budgets, please don't. Um, but if you are in a financial position, prayerfully consider what we're gonna show you and also pray for us and keep us in your prayers as we fight this gigantic beast that is rolling forth. I mean, it's just amazing. Seven years ago when we started this, Mormonism, yeah, there's a battle going on. Today, it is, it is just bloomed. You know, and I'm, I just want to tell you something. People are interested in this kind of thing. If we looked at our financial status for a year, it would take 80 years for us in our financial status, collect, not spending a dime, but collecting for 80 years at Aletheia Ministries to bring in what the Mormon church brings in in one day. So there's, there's the relative between the uh, uh, David and Goliath going on. These guys are monsters of deception. And so uh, it's not to twist you. We don't want, we want people who are led of the Lord. And so just consider the following message. All right, we're gonna go to Brian, he's LDS. Brian, you're on Heart of the Matter. Brian? 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 
Brian hung up. We're going to go to Robert. Robert, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Sean, I'm doing great. Hey, I just, uh, I never watched your program. I've never seen it before. Really? Uh, I grew up in the LDS church. I haven't been, uh, I haven't been to church in, oh, I don't know, years. But I didn't know, uh, I didn't know there was someone on the, on the, on the TV complaining about them. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I don't, actually, I don't go to any church. I don't see a purpose in going to church. Uh, you know, but, uh, you say the Bible, you know, is supposedly all that, all that, and then some, I, you know, it's a... How do you know I said that? I haven't said that today. Have you? Well, you know, I, you it sounds like that. another show, have you? Hey. I'm sorry? I haven't said that today, so have you watched another show? No, 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 I was watching, I was watching, you know, no, you never said that, but, but what, what, Okay, I I don't know. I don't know if I ever made it all the way through the Book of Mormon either. But but however, all I know is you know. Uh, what do you know? The Mormon Church has helped a lot of people. Yeah, so is the. I don't trainers. care what they believe. Yeah. Okay. So they you believe. got a nice humanist organization. Fine. They want to be a humanist organization. I have no problem with it. Very good. But don't okay. call themselves Christian. There's a difference. Why, though? Why? I mean, why can't you call? I mean, I, I, do I call myself a Christian? I believe that Jesus lives in my heart. And if I'm doing good for people, I'm doing good for, uh, you know, I help neighbors or I help someone on the road or I do something good. My heart feels good. Oh, okay. And I believe that's where Jesus lives is in my heart. Okay, now listen. You're talking about feeling good. The Buddhists feel good with Buddha guiding them. And the Muslims feel good without Jesus. So feeling good is what makes us get, get around in life. I'm sure Charles Manson felt good when he stuck a knife in Sharon Tate. I mean, we are talking about feelings here. They do not dictate if a person is with God or not. What dictates that is how did Jesus get into your heart, Robert? Well, you know, I, I don't know, maybe just some, uh, Jesus is just a name, you know, that, maybe that's just it, you know, Jesus. I mean, back when Jesus was born, there were all kinds of Jesuses running around. Okay, you are, you are called Rabbit Trail Man, and we're not going to do that. You're, you're okay. starting to talk about, okay, look it. So what's the bottom line point, Robert? Oh, the bottom line point, I never said, seen your show before, and I just wondered why you were so hard on the LDS, just because they, they're claiming to be Christians? Because they claim to be Christian. I was LDS 40 years, I, I left Mormonism, and I came to understand who Jesus was. I went to Calvary Chapel School of Ministry. I, full, two full years, I studied the Bible like as much as I could to understand the differences. And if you're going to believe in the Bible, you cannot say Mormonism is true or Christian. Now, if you want to go around and say Mormonism is true, you got to take that Bible and throw it away. But if you throw the Bible away, that's the Christian manual. So there's no way they can be true and throw the Bible away. So I, it's, it's, the problem is they have created the problem. I'm addressing the problem. You're acting like it's right. me that, that's doing it wrong, Robert, but I'm addressing the problem. You see? I see. I mean, what would you do? I don't know your last name, but let's just say... Isn't that just what you believe, though, right? No, it's not what I believe. I mean, throughout the history of Christianity, since Mormonism has been around, Christians have adamantly said Mormonism is not Christian. Why do you think they all say that? 
Mormons tell their believers it's because they're jealous of us. But why do you think Christians have historically said Mormonism is not Christian? I don't know. Yeah, well, they, these guys have, have spent their whole life in the Word of God. They read what Christianity is, Robert, and then they look at Mormonism and they say, no way. That and, can't be it, huh? Yeah, and let me give huh? you an example, my friend. Let me just give you one example. Just pretend that your last name is Jones, and, it's a, and, and, and Robert, I say, I take on your identity. And let's say you live on Maple Street in Salt Lake City, and so I take on my name... Robert Jones and I live on Maple Street in Salt Lake City and let's say you're 50 years old and I say I'm 50 and you have four kids and I say I have four kids and I go around and I pretend I'm you and I look like this and I'm getting drunk and I'm getting in bar fights and people around are saying did you know Robert Jones over on Maple is getting in bar fights that guy's and you would get really mad at the identity theft you see and that is what Mormonism has done they have they have perpetrated identity theft upon Christianity. Get oh. it? Okay. Well, you know, I like I told the girl that answered the phone, I'm not really a big religious person, but I, I've got a feeling that, you know, Jesus just wants people to be good to, be, to people. And... It, it's, it's, Jesus taught a lot of things, and it's very easy to take simple passages and say, this is what it is. The people came, yeah. people came, Robert, people came to Jesus in John chapter 6, and they asked him point blank, how do we work the works of God? How do we do the will of God? Do you know what he said to them? Believe on me. That is what separates Christianity from every other form of do-good works religions. It's not that the do-good in wor the works are necessarily bad, but people believe that it's their works that are going to please Almighty God. It's their good works do nothing for Him. Scripture says they're filthy rags. To believe on Him who came and lived in a way that you could not, that is where salvation is. Mormonism does not embrace that. Hey, keep watching, my brother. We're on Tuesday nights, 8 to 9. Tuesday, 8 to 9. I'm going to give it a shot. See All if right, Robert. Anything other than that. Yeah, see, I don't believe in praying five times a day. I don't believe in any four? of that crap. So. Hey, we'll send you a book if you stay on the line. Let us send you a book if you stay on the line. It's free. Okay. Okay, hold on. If someone will pick up line two for Robert, we're going to Linda. Uh, on line three. Linda, you're on Heart of the Matter. Thank you. You're on the air, Linda. Hi. Hello. Hello. Is this Sean? This is Sean. Hi, Sean. Um, I have been an LDS uh, all my life, probably 50 years of my life, and my husband and I have left, or we're trying to leave the church, and I have family that are very strong, and I come across Yesterday, my uh, son-in-law presented me with some questions, and I really didn't have the answer. And he said to me, the only way to heaven, you have to be baptized. And I said, well, that's not what a Christian believes. A Christian believes that only way to God is through Christ. But he says, it says in the Bible, you have to be baptized. Is, is that true? What it says in the Bible is to be baptized, okay? And if you look at the Greek, 
there, there are two different meanings in the Greek for why somebody is going to be baptized that we can apply to that sentence. When you read it in the English, you could say baptism, obviously you've got to be baptized to be saved. That it's kind of put in that way. But in the Greek language, there's, there's one reason that you would be baptized, and that was in order to be saved. Okay? The other reason that someone would be baptized is because they have been saved. And the Greek language, whenever it's speaking of baptism, it says we are baptized because, out of gratitude, as an outward expression of an inward change, uh, that, that we have been saved, that's why we are baptized. John the Baptist said, look, I came baptizing with water, but someone whose shoe I'm not worthy to latch it, he comes and he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. It's being baptized by the Holy Spirit that gets a person into heaven. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, hey, as soon as you climb down and get baptized, then you're going to be with me in paradise, didn't he? No, he said, today you will be with me in paradise, and the thief died on that cross. No baptism necessary. So the, the point of it is, any Christian who reads the Bible and understands Jesus' uh, words will be baptized because they love him as an outward symbol of an inward change of heart. But when a religion comes in and says you must be baptized by water to enter heaven, that's because the religion wants to control you. And they want to do the baptizing. And they want to count you as a member. Don't believe it. And that's why he's presented me and that's why they do baptisms for the dead. That's exactly right. Okay, I understand that. Um, I did say to him, but there's no marriage in heaven, right? And he did agree. And what, he, what he's agreeing with... He, if he, he said, yeah, that's right. And I said, well, then how does that go along with the LDS Church? You, you need to be married in the temple, and you need to be sealed. And he says, well, that's... He says, yeah, there's a lot of things that really don't... I don't understand. Yeah, But I was lot. so disappointed because I was baptized in the LDS Church, and in my heart, I feel like I, I was baptized for Jesus Christ, but I don't want to be baptized to be a member of the church. Yeah. So now I'm thinking, do I get rebaptized? Well, you know, uh, you're a Christian now, you and your husband? Yes. You know, uh, let the Lord lead you in that. Uh, again, you go to a Christian church, and, 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 and when you are uh, led by the Holy Spirit, you will be led as to when and where and what to do. And don't worry about that LDS baptism. I mean, it was just like swimming in a pool. It didn't mean anything. So you get baptized when you are ready to say, Lord Jesus, you have all of my life, all of my heart, and I commit myself to you and your ways for the rest of my life. And this is an outward symbol for that. When you're ready to do that publicly, then go forward and do it. Oh, Sean, thank you so much. You're welcome, my friend. God bless you. God bless you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh... It says here, Mitt Romney's wife was Episcopalian. Did he marry outside of uh, the LDS? I don't know. I, I don't know if she was. I don't know. I, I'm certain she converted. Uh, I don't know when she converted. Anybody know? She converted. So uh, whether she was Episcopalian or not, she converted. She's Mormon now. And they have been, obviously, through the Mormon temple, sealed in the Mormon ways, etc. So as the operators are clearing your call, uh, Franklin C. said, from what I've gathered from your senior show a few times is Christianity is not proven good, 
true by its efforts to help humanity, is this right? Um, Christianity is Christ. Christianity is Christ. Christianity is Christ in people who believe on him. Christianity is Christ in people, okay? That is Christian. The gospel is he came, he died, he, was, he lived a perfect life, he died for our sins, he was buried, he rose on the third day, and there were witnesses. That's the definition of the gospel according to 1 Corinthians. Now, once Christ has moved in and he is living in somebody, guess what happens? That person becomes, as Martin Luther said, Christ to their neighbor. They begin to love their neighbor and their family and their friends and their enemies in a way that is very different from how they did before. Christianity is Christ in you and it is Christ operating through you. That is Christianity. The good works are a mere byproduct of the fact that somebody has had Christ shed blood, cleanse them of their sin, and Christ lives in them and now they operate by them. I hope that makes sense. Several questions about the campus acronym C-A-M-P-U-S. Uh, someone has asked, do you uh, believe in paying taxes? Uh, absolutely. According to the laws of the land, absolutely. Campus stands for Christian anarchists, meaning to prayerfully understand scripture. That has nothing to do with secular anarchists, nothing at all. It has to do with Christianity. Absolutely. Paul says pay taxes. Do I vote? I don't vote, but uh, I do not begrudge anybody who is deluded in wanting to do it. Um, uh, what do you think of abortion? I think abortion is a horrible sin. Uh, but I love the aborter as much as I love my mother. So um, it's, a, it's a, par a fallen world. It's going to happen. It happens. And so I'm going to love them as Christ has commanded me to. I'm going to reach out to them in love and, and go from there. Should Christians vote against homosexual uh, marriage? Uh, citizens of this great country may choose to vote uh, any way they see fit. I believe if you are led to vote against something that's on the ballot, uh, then uh, in your Christian heart you believe that it's important for you individually to do that, you, by all means you go and do that. But I have a great problem when uh, Christianity tells me that in order for me to be a Christian, I need to embrace their ideals when it comes to political reformation. You have to understand, Jesus Christ did not fight against the Roman government. Were there homosexuals in Rome? You bet there were homosexuals in Rome. Was there abortion uh, in the Roman Empire? You bet there was. He never addressed it. His apostles didn't address it. They shared the solution to those things. The solution is Christ in people who are thinking of having an abortion or who have had an abortion. The solution is Christ in somebody who is a homosexual. The, the solution in all of this from the Christian church to the world is Christ. It is not moral reformation. We've made the mistake in going down that uh, alternate road. Would you say Christianity is best represented by Republican, Democrat, or Libertarian parties? Um, I think I only absolutize, if that's such a word, God. I think God has a kingdom. I think God has power. I think he works through whatever is in place, and he gets his will done. And he will put the right person that he wants for whatever reason, which could include uh, decay. He will put whoever he wants in office. And my job, again, this is not about people voting or not. That's up to you. But my job as a Christian representing Christianity here on show and teaching in church is to share Jesus and Jesus alone as the solution. Let's see what we've got here. Tim in Florida. Tim, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. Hey, you're on the air, my friend. First time calling. 
I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. Never heard of you before, but I found out the Mormons know about you here in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. Um, I was going to get baptized this uh, Sunday, and uh, I really prayed to the to God and uh, the Holy Spirit to come upon me. Was I doing, telling me, you know, do the right thing? And um, somehow, boom, there you were on my internet, and I was up thirty in the morning. Wow. So, wow. I, yeah. And then, um, you know, so they came over tonight, you know, for everything I was going through. And then when I was bringing some of the things that all your clips had brought up, um, <laughs> they felt like they were being attacked. That the Holy Spirit wasn't in the house, and therefore they couldn't answer any of my questions. They had to go back, and they had to do this. But my question is, once I get through this, I'm searching for a, a church. And, you know, there's so many false churches out there, and, and that was the whole thing. And I've studied with Mormons for over a year. Uh, I just don't know from the time to fire. How do I find that church, and how do I keep from the false doctrine and the false teaching? They're out there everywhere. Uh, what can what can I do? You know? Okay, Tim. Somebody that's looking for the same thing. You know how how, how do we do this? Okay, Tim. Yes. For a couple things, I'm saying this for the audience's benefit as well as yours. Okay. Okay. There is no true church in terms of a brick and mortar church. None. Men are men. Women are women. We make mistakes. We do things wrong, we teach the Bible wrong, we give bad advice, we form cliques, we find ourselves superior, we, uh, we royal in our sin. There's all kinds of humanistic things that creep into churches. Therefore, God created his church as a body of believers. You, Tim, having received Christ, are part of that body. You make up the real church. And I believe I make up the real church and other believers in our audience make up the real church. Now listen, the people in the audience right here, they all go to different churches and they all see the good and the bad. And you're going to go, because you have the liberty and the Holy Spirit in you, you got to go do some visiting. And you go out and you find a church that's going to meet your needs as an individual. We are uniquely and wonderfully made. And so you have specific needs that are going to need to be filled by the church now, and you might move on after that. I would suggest finding one that teaches the Bible, verse by verse, not topical. I would suggest you find one that does not make you feel good. It does not tell you that you're a good person. It does not feed you full of fluff, but instead reveals God and shows you your heart relative to God and helps you move forward in faith, in faith, not legalism, in faith to trust the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you, you, there's a lot, of, like you said, a lot of counterfeits, a lot of ugly stuff, but there's also some very good stuff out there. In Florida, I know there's a lot of churches out there. You're going to find one and uh, get your face into that Bible because that's going to be uh, the very best thing you can do to prepare yourself to understand when you're meeting up with a false shepherd and a true one. Well, thank you, because uh, that's what kind of separated us. Uh, they, they, they say that they're Christians, and they say that they follow the Bible, but yet they don't follow oh, the Bible. And that's a lie. The, that was what I, you know, I had a problem with it. And then when I said something to them, they would be like, well, I'll get back to you on that, you know? Or, yeah, they, they do that. 
Tim, will you stay on the air and leave operator with your address so we can send you our latest book? Sure. Yeah, I think it will help you because it lays out the difference between Mormonism and biblical Christianity by comparing what the Bible says and what Mormonism teaches. All right, my brother, hold on. Thank you so much. I hope it wasn't important. Uh, we're going to Ann and Murray, first time caller. Ann, you're on Heart of the Matter. Ann? Yes? You're on the air. Oh, okay. With Sean. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. I do appreciate that. You need to talk now. Pardon me? You need to tell me what you want to talk about. Oh, I, I live in the land of Zion. I wanted to thank John. I just happened to cross your station, and I would like to thank him for somebody finally coming out and telling the truth. Because... Well. I want to tell, let me tell you something about Sean, Ann, okay? Uh-huh. He, he loves the Lord. He uh, cares deeply about the Mormon people. And as a man in the flesh, he's just a jackass. So I'll pass on to you exactly what you've said. We appreciate it. And we hope you'll tune in next week from 8 to 9. Oh, okay. I can't talk to you personally. You can, but maybe at another day. All right? Okay. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. I don't know what to do on those. Uh, there is no women's Bible study this coming Monday night at Denny's from 7 to 9 because it is the holiday and the ladies want to go crazy. Ladies gone wild in Salt Lake City, running amok in the parks. We are going to go to Dave from Roy. Dave, you're on Heart of the Matter. You've only got one minute. Okay. Something's in the air tonight. You're on the air, Dave, with Sean. Okay. Uh, I'm a Catholic, and I was just uh, in religion with a Mormon bishop who said uh, that uh, he was thought that either the Catholic Church was the correct church or the LDS Church was the correct church. Yeah. And uh, I was just wondering if you were ever taught that when you was growing up and if it was written down anywhere in uh, yeah. early uh, LDS literature. Yeah, in, a, in the book, A Marvelous Work and a Wonder, uh, that was, was his position of the author of that book. And the reason being is they propose a, an idea of priesthood. And they say the Catholics either have the priesthood unfettered, unpolluted, or the Mormons had it restored. And that's the argument they use for the true church either being the Catholic church or the Mormon church. Okay, I just wondering about that. We're out of time, my brother. Thanks for watching. All right. Thank you. Saturday, September 1st, this week. Come on. Bring your friends. Come on down. Three to dusk. Bounce houses. Face, not face painting. Box lunches from Subway. Good price. Lots of products. Entertainment from uh, uh, Paul Wright, McCraney Sisters, from the great guitarist Chris Taylor, and uh, Statewide Communion. And uh, we think that would be a great event for everybody who is a believer in the Lord to come together in this state at this time and to let him know there are believers, he knows already, but there are believers in the state who care about him and his word. So join us there at Murray Park Amphitheater Saturday from 3 to 9. Until then, we'll be with you next week here on Heart of the Matter.